Morning, everybody. My name's Roger. I'm one of the leaders of the church here. But as is Martin, who's leading worship, and David doing celebrations, and also uh, Glyn, who is leading uh, prayers. And off the back of uh, their, uh, that sense of prayer that was uh, being led, we're also now going to pray together. But I'm not going to utter any words, and neither are you. We're going to just be still in God's presence. For you to use this as an opportunity to pray how you think it would be appropriate for you at this given moment. Just for a few moments, just be still before him and use this time to come to our God as we pray. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Well, I wonder how you felt about that time of stillness or quiet. That's different from starting with a funny story or kind of like an illustration to lead in. I guess for some of us, we were a little bit caught on the hop. Maybe the longer that silence went on, the more uncomfortable for some of us we may well have felt. Maybe if we had our eyes closed, there was a temptation every now and then to open an eye to think, is the quiet thing stopped yet? Are we moving on? Is my hearing gone? On Saturday night, the 7th of October, Anton Deck paused the action during Britain's Got Talent, the Champions, to launch ITV's mental wellness campaign, Britain Get Talking. It was a very poignant um, mid-flow primetime TV to suddenly have everything stop. Uh, We were watching uh, at the time, and we kind of didn't know really what we were meant to do, even though the encouragement was, right, we're going to pause for 60 seconds so that you talk to those in and around you, in the home, right there and then. But it seemed a bit odd. It was a very different thing to be put in a place where you were encouraged to talk. The challenge was this, stop what you're doing, get off your phone, talk to those who you are with right now. The goal was to get across the importance of both talking and listening. Apparently, anxiety and depression in children has risen 48% since 2004. But talking and listening can improve mental well-being. And the Britain Get Talking campaign is the first initiative of ITV's campaign for mental well-being. A five-year project in partnership with a charity, Mind. So that's what's going on nationally. I thought, that's great. Something that's a positive thing. Well, we kind of want to hijack that creative uh, idea because for most of us, we can stop whatever we're doing and talk right now. Whatever it is that we're doing. And I want us to think, as we look at this next two months as a series on prayer, to think not just about Britain get talking, but church get talking. And not just with one another, but to our God. That's why we took time out right at the start of coming to God's word together. To just think, right, wherever we're at, let's pause and bring God in. 
It may well be that you're having a conversation over coffee afterwards. You don't have to say anything to the person that you're speaking to, but whatever it is that they may be passing on to you. Maybe there's an arrow prayer we can throw up to God. So that prayer becomes part and parcel of what we naturally do as much as normal talking and listening. So the challenge you'll see through the Bridge magazine, the articles through there, and we've uh, scrapped the initial uh, plan, teaching program-wise, off the back of wanting to be a little bit more effective as a church in this whole sense of our communication with God. Prayer, that we call it. Bringing him in on everything. Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings. Normally we develop the same theme over a weekend. Sunday mornings and evenings are going to be looking at different uh, passages, different experience, experiences of biblical prayer, which we hope will motivate each of us in our communication with God. I would guess for each of us it's true what I had probably said more and written down more than anything else on my school report years ago. Could do better. Anybody remember that kind of comment on Richard's hand straight up? There's an honesty. And in terms of that whole relationship with God and our prayer and our time with God, I'd be the first person to put my hand up. I find that hard. So please don't hear this as me saying to you, this is what you've got to do. We are on a journey together. It may well be that for you, prayer is a gift that God has given to you, and you are finding this very easy. That is something that, you, that comes very naturally to you. Brilliant. Praise God for that. But even with our own gift that God has given to you, the word of God encourages us to fan into flame the God-given gift that we've received. There's always more that we can have with our God and for our God. So we're trusting that prayer is going to be something that we'll take uh, seriously. I want to uh, show a picture, if we can have that picture on the, on the screen. Uh, Leo, okay, anybody seen one of those dreadful objects? Uh, anybody own one of those objects? For those of you who think, I really don't like the look of that, that looks far too much work, it's a running machine, uh, a running machine, okay? Now, it may well be that you've been on a running machine before. Anybody been on a running machine? Okay, anybody been on a running machine and had anybody say, now try to do it, taking your hands off the handles and you've gone flying? Okay, right. Now, a running machine is an interesting um, uh, instrument. Lots of energy uh, can be involved in using that running machine and you can set it at at different uh, paces uh, uh, in terms of the speed that you have to go at. But there's a lot of energy that goes into it and you kind of like feel that you're getting nowhere because you're not getting anywhere. You're still on that that running machine. And that can be a picture of maybe our prayer life. Trying really, really hard. We really want this to be better than it is. But maybe so often it feels like we're just not getting anywhere with all the stuff that that we're kind of getting involved in. Whether it's quiet prayer, silent prayer, verbalised prayer, corporate prayer, private prayer, this prayer, that prayer, or whatever other uh, prayer. And we'll be thinking about all sorts of of prayer over the next uh, couple of months. Well, sometimes maybe we can feel a little bit uh, like that picture behind us. The enemy, of course Satan, the devil, wants to discourage you in prayer as much as in any other area of your life. As if you haven't got anywhere. As if you're not getting anywhere. But if you were to be on one of those running machines, see from that sort of like blue gadget on the screen and there's various techie bits that you can read, there's got there like a mileometer. 
So even though you might look around and you think, I have not got anywhere at all, that myelometer would indeed register, you have indeed got a distance. For some of us it may well not be that far. We have got further maybe than we would have thought that we would have gone. And I think there's a sense of God wanting to combat what the enemy would seek to hit us over the head with a stick in terms of you're not very good at the prayer thing, are you? Where God's wanting to say to maybe some of us here this morning, you know, actually, you get a lot further than you would think. I'm checking the myelometer. I know how hard you try. But it's not just about human effort. And we'll be exploring uh, that. This morning, we're going to go right the way back to basics. And I'm going to assume that we've never even really, maybe even looked at this subject. Sometimes it's a good thing to do, particularly at the start of a series. We're going to think about reminding ourselves what prayer is, why we pray, what maybe some of those problems are with prayer. And then lastly, maybe how we could or should pray. Is that okay? It better be because I've got a whole load of notes on that. And if you're going to say no, I'm completely stuck. And then you're going to have to pray for the next X number of minutes. No, okay, I'll go back to this. So what is prayer? Well, prayer firstly is that sense of communication that comes through relationship. And I would want to suggest that this is a two-way communication. At least that is the clear picture of Christian prayer. It's not the picture of prayer per se right the way across a whole host of other belief systems. Because very often a religious worldview is that prayer is something that we do to him upstairs. And it's one way only. Ourselves wanting to get somewhere. Ourselves wanting to reach him up there. But in actual fact, Christian Christian prayer is not just about our communication with him, but his communication with us as well. That was true even when the Lord Jesus himself was on earth. And he was praying as he was being baptised. And as he was praying, his own communication with Heavenly Father. So... Father God then spoke to him, this is my son. And that picture that we see right at the very start, the onset of then Jesus' ministry here on earth, is a picture of then what flows out that we see through the early church and ought to be our experience too. That that prayer is a two-way communication. Very often, if we're honest, the prayer stuff is me to him, if it's anywhere at all, isn't it? Because God, I want this, 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 and this, and can you do this, 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 this? Hopefully, we're going to explore a whole variety of other elements of prayer. But it starts off with that sense of relationship. And of course, that relationship comes when we start our Christian life. It could well be there's somebody here this morning, you think, well, what do you mean relationship? I thought I was coming in on a Sunday morning to do religion and then go again after an hour. Christian faith is all about a relationship with the one who made you. And that relationship, even that relationship is just one prayer away. We'll come back to that. Prayer is involving God in our lives. We're not placed here to live in isolation from our maker. That's why there's the encouragement to bring God in on everything that we're about. Everything. Not just that we compartmentalise, I've got this bit of my life for this, this bit of my life for that, and then I've got the bit over here where I do the spiritual bit or the religious bit. But whatever it is, God wants the whole cake. Every element and aspect of your life. Right, getting up, 
to our lying down. Prayer is a powerful weapon for believers. We've been going through a series in, uh, in the book of Joshua for the last uh, two months. Been a fantastic series to look way, way, way back and see all these weird, wonderful names that we can't pronounce right. And we don't really know the relevance of the places and culture seems so different. And yet the relevance of the word of God into our situation has been quite incredible. But just on the prayer front, we've seen time and time again how things went well when God's people were praying, when the leaders were praying. And how when they didn't, things didn't go so well. But when God's people prayed, wow, was that a powerful weapon for the believer. And that's true that the New Testament would also support as well. And I know many of you, we could go around, you could say, yeah, I could tell you stories of when God moved in response to my prayers. We haven't got an opportunity time-wise this morning, but I know that's true. But also, what's prayer? Well, I think time and time again, prayer is the antidote to worry. Anybody ever worried? (laughs) Okay, yeah, most of you are liars. Okay, I would suggest that we have all worried at one time or another. And uh, I, I like the, uh, uh, the mum who once said that uh, for me, actually being a worrier is part of the job description of what it means to be a mum. Now, I, I'm not a mum, so I wouldn't like to say if she's right or wrong. But from the smirks and the nods from ladies, I guess you're identifying with what that woman was saying. Guys, we tend to worry as well. It's not the macho thing to admit to that, of course, but we do. A whole host of different pressures, maybe. Some of them the same. The antidote to worry is, I think, very often prayer. That thing of bringing God in sits nicely alongside trusts. Trust. Bring all your requests to God, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says. We can bag up all those worries all those concerns, all those stresses that we just don't always feel able to carry, to handle, let alone respond to, and we can dump this in God's hands. Now that doesn't mean to say the problem or the issue has disappeared. But wow, there's something very powerful in you and I knowing there is one that we can go to who is able to do what? Immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine is what Paul spoke to the church at Ephesus about. May that be our experience as we think about what prayer is. Why do we pray? Well, that's a good question, isn't it? It's kind of some of the stuff that if you become a Christian and you read that booklet, you've said the ABC uh, to, to actually become a Christian on the very next page or even on the same page, there'll then be the encouragement to read a Bible, join a church and to pray. Don't necessarily outline what prayer is or why we should pray. Well, I guess why we should pray, well, for most of us, it's because we want something or we need help, isn't it? An exam, a health issue, we're in trouble. And that's not a bad thing if the first thing on our mind when things go pear-shaped is to pray. But if that's the only way that we understand why we should pray, we have really completely missed. Understood. I want to suggest a few uh, other reasons why we should maybe pray. In actual fact, six. Firstly, to get right with God. I mentioned that, that that relationship with God is just one prayer away. For the guy who said, have mercy on me, God, a sinner. Jesus said that person went unright with God. There and then. 
when the guy was hanging on a cross next to Jesus, said, today. Would you, would you, um, when you go to your kingdom, would you remember me? And, t- and Jesus said, today, you will be with me in paradise. A prayer uttered, immediately, instantly heard. Prayer, why do we pray? Prayer is used for us to get right with God. To admit, A, that we are a sinner, wrong person. We need God's forgiveness. B, to believe that what was needed for us to be forgiven, God has already done in Jesus. That's why he died on the cross. And to believe that he not only died, but showed his power over even death by coming back to life. And C, something to commit. To commit to this God. He's done all this stuff for us and he's looking for us to accept what he's done as we give our life back to him. Why do we pray? Firstly, you get right maybe with God. But also it's a part of our worship to God. We can acknowledge who he is. We can thank him. We can place our trust upon him. We've already done that in song. We've done that as we've prayed uh, already. That's a good thing for us to do as we pray together. God's word instructs us to pray, doesn't it? You can think probably of different verses yourself. I've already just quoted, bring all your requests to God. That would seem to mean... Bring all your requests to God. It's very straightforward, isn't it? Anyone lack wisdom, he should ask God. Ask, and it will be given. But next, we know that God's people have always prayed. If you're going to read through the Bible, I don't know how many times God's people prayed, but in both Old and New Testament, God's people have always prayed. That ought to be a very strong clue for us here, that that's therefore something that's being modelled so that we pick up the importance of that. Our faith is rooted in that relationship. Jesus himself prayed. He was the model who came and lived the perfect life on earth, saying, look, this is how you should live. If he needed to pray as son of God, (laughs) doesn't that kind of big up somewhat even more of the need for me to pray if Jesus chose to submit his own life to his heavenly father. And why do we need to pray? Well, we need God's help and wisdom, don't we? God, I can't do this on my own. Prayer is when we're chucking the lot over to him. That sense of complete dependence upon him, as opposed to living independently. There's that tension, isn't there, that goes on, where as a parent, we want our our children, our kids, to grow up so that they might be independent but at the same time we want them to be dependent on God and of course as we try and model some of that independence the danger for ourselves as believers is that we separate that out from from that sense of our our independence even upon uh, our dependence even upon God prayer is a helpful reminder that we need him in our lives I'm aware of the next bit, though, more than anything else, which is the problems that we get with uh, prayer. And we're going to be looking at at these and unpacking these uh, in different uh, shapes and forms over the coming weeks, not just through Scripture, but also we're going to be looking even a couple of weeks' time uh, at that subject of, well, why didn't God or why doesn't God answer my prayer? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands if you've ever felt or said that. I already know what the answer is going to be. God's ways are not our ways, are they? 
there would have been some stuff that we would have felt very strongly about, very pained about, very damaged over. A whole host of experiences. And the longer I labour this point, the more temptation is that some of those things are going to come to the surface again as a reminder that there's something I can think of even now. That God, you have not answered. You have not responded to. You have not heard my cry. And there's that sense maybe of anger, confusion, misunderstanding. God's word says... My ways are not your ways. We need to be very careful, I think, when it comes to the words we use about prayer being answered or not being answered. If something works or somebody's had a cold and somebody's prayed for them and they get better, we're very quick, of course, as Christians to want to put a tick next to the God who answers our prayer. So we say, oh, I had a cold and somebody prayed and now God has answered that prayer. Fantastic. What a great God we have. I have a whole stash of emails that I've had over the years like that. But alongside that are very often the same people who then when things don't happen in response to God moving, get very upset or irate. Or their faith gets a bit wobbly because they can't say, God answered my prayer. Because their own feeling is, he didn't. And there's a tension there. So we take the cop-out clause and say, it it obviously wasn't God's will. But we don't believe it. It's just easier for us to use that as a phrase and explain it away. Very difficult, that tension, isn't it? Very difficult when we use flippantly that response about somebody that had cancer and yet they received prayer and they were healed. And so we celebrate about how God answered prayer. And somebody else is sat on in the same room thinking, well, somebody in my family had cancer. And I prayed and others prayed and they even asked to be anointed with oil and they're dead. Very careful we need to be with our words. About how God answers or if he doesn't. So the next couple of months we're going to be teasing some of that out. It ain't easy. That's what we've got here as a heading. The problems with prayer. Because there are. And part of that journey of faith is for us to be more real. About those tensions that we struggle with. Secondly we need to understand the context don't we. Before we go into lifting verses of scripture. I want to read, maybe not not a familiar verse, but that's quite deliberate, so that we don't just uh, add on our our own already understanding of a particular text. This is Genesis chapter 20, verse 17. Anybody know what that is? Shame on you. This is it. Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech. I would have thought everybody would have had that written down on a fridge or something like that. Very well-known verse. Not a single elder of the church put up their hand. Shameful. We need to understand the context for those eight words. It would be very easy for us to leap to making a wrong uh, um, understanding. It doesn't mean that every time we pray for someone to be healed that they will be, just based on those eight words. What it does mean in context here is that maybe that Abimelech would not have been healed unless Abraham prayed for him. Secondly, maybe 
a reminder that it was God who was the healer, not Abraham. Abraham prayed to God and God healed him. And thirdly, if we read in and around the context, we see that Abimelech had been told by God that Abraham would pray and then good would result from this. That's the wider context. And as we go back to scripture, as we think about what prayer is all about, that's what we've got to do. As opposed to lifting eight words, maybe misinterpreting, maybe putting a selective understanding that fits our own experience so we don't get tangled in knots and then get a bit upset when things don't go according to plan. It's important that we understand what the context was in the passage that we're reading about. And thirdly, when we think about the problems with prayer, heartfelt cries must still honour God. I was speaking to somebody this week who's got every reason to be angry with God right now over a situation that's occurred. doesn't matter what that situation is. I'm sure you can think of a time or an occasion where you've been disappointed or when God could have stepped in and for whatever reason it appears that he hasn't. And you're angry. Don't feel bad about that. What are some of the most beautiful prayers? If we're to feel that sense of being close to God, many people would say, oh, I always go back to the Psalms. Oh, yeah. There was a very angry man, David, very often praying some angry prayers. Was there not? Yet he was labelled a friend of God. He was real. It's okay for us to be real. But it's important that alongside what we're naturally feeling, we seek to be God-honouring at the same time. Think about Hannah in 1 Samuel, who was not able to have a child. And the culture of the day was that that would have been a shameful thing. Something wrong with her. A sense of God's judgment upon her. So way worse context than for somebody struggling with barrenness today. We read that Hannah was in bitterness of soul. She wept in anguish because she was unable to conceive a child. But if you read that whole chapter in the first book of Samuel, chapter 1, you see that she still loved her God. She still honoured her God. Whatever the outcome of her prayer was going to be, that's what's being modelled there. Are we able to do that? To ultimately come to those words that Jesus himself came to when he didn't want to go through the pain of going to Calvary, that place of dying on the cross. And what human would want to go that way? But he then said in Gethsemane, but, amidst his prayer, but, not my will, but your will be done. That is the model for how we honour God, isn't it? In our angst, in our anguish, in our pain, in our bitterness of soul, as it was for Hannah, despite the grief that she felt. That's a real challenge, I think, for whenever we feel the urge to get a bit of a strop on about what has come our way in life or about how we've been treated. It's okay for us to feel whatever we're going to feel, but it's what we then do with that, isn't it? Because we're still called to honour God. 
even during those darkest of times. So, how can we pray? I'm going to rattle through these very uh, quickly. You don't have to pray in any particular uh, position. You can sit or stand, lie down, have your eyes closed or open. If you're going to pray whilst driving, I would suggest maybe you keep your uh, eyes uh, open. Uh, we used to pray when we, or say when we were kids at school, hands together, eyes closed, don't forget to blow your nose. <laughs> I don't know if you had any sort of like silly <laughs> phrases like that. And then when I was first getting into church and I was in my late uh, teens and uh, somebody will know the church in question, we used to have this thing called church night. And there was a lot of adults praying at church night. It it was pretty dull really, but I kind of went along because a load of the other teenagers went. And we used to say, oh, it looks like it's time for the shampoo position. And sure enough, after a particular hymn, everybody went down into the shampoo position. You know the shampoo position? There seemed to be something a little bit more spiritual about that, given the time and the era that that was. We haven't got to be like that or in any particular way. It's that sense of reality of what's going on in our heart between ourselves and our God, isn't it? Position isn't necessarily important. It can be that part of how we are in terms of our bodies or how we want to respond is a reflection of what's going on on the inside. And I think that's a right thing for us to go with the flow as we feel God lead us. What about observing the pattern of the Lord's Prayer? Which is why I asked if Derek would read that uh, this morning. Because when Jesus' followers said, well, how then should we pray? That was the model that Jesus gave. We don't say the Lord's Prayer that often here. Some of us would be a bit concerned that we don't say the Lord's Prayer that often. One of my reasons for us not saying it that often is that I think it's too hard to pray if we really know what it means. Can I encourage you, before you next say the Lord's Prayer, listen to a uh, Bible-believing preacher unpack and preach what the Lord's Prayer is actually about. Then see if you can actually say it. It's all too easy to say words. It's a lot tougher when we know the challenge that are contained within those words that Jesus encouraged. Next, let's find a secret place for that one-to-one with God. Maybe you've got a favourite place, maybe you've got a favourite room. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, Derek read to us, where Jesus encouraged us to go to your room, to shut the door. The context there was that it's not to be a flowery thing and a public thing so that you're doing that for the kudos of everybody else. It's all about that that private sense of one-to-one with our Father God. Jesus himself, we read uh, Mark chapter 1 verse 35, very early in the morning, whilst it was still dark, he got up, he left the house and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Luke chapter 5 verse 16, we read that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Create maybe a place in your home or a place near where you live that is just your one-to-one time with God. Something about that place where you know you are able to be real with him. Here's some other words that we see uh, reflected in prayer uh, in a variety of ways that, again, we'll revisit over the next two months. Expectantly. Pray expectantly. 
Whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive, Matthew chapter 12, verse 2. We ought to be people who pray specifically. Hezekiah prayed, now, O Lord our God, deliver us from his hand. Unselfishly, Hezekiah again prayed, deliver us so that all kingdoms on earth may know that you, O Lord, are God. Whose glory is at stake when we pray? What matters most for when we pray? Is it for what we want or because of ultimately how God's name is going to be glorified and honoured? We're to pray perseveringly. Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, he told his disciples, we read, uh, he told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So that sense of prayer needs to be an ongoing, 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 ongoing. Well, is now enough? No, keep going, keep going. Elsewhere, we know that we're to pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. We're to pray evangelistically. Paul encouraged the church at Colossae to say, would you pray that, that God may open a door for our message? We want the doors of people's lives to be open so they're in receptive mode to hear that message. But prior to that, we need to actually pray that there be an open opportunity for us to either go to where people are or for people to come in to hear that word of God. What about the opportunities of a carol services coming up in December to invite people in that don't normally come, that do the kind of God thing once a year to feel Christmassy? Pray that such people would have that sense of door open to the message of Jesus Christ that brings life and transformation. That God by his spirit would bring that about. And pray how? Well, when we can. Sometimes for hours, sometimes maybe for just one second. If you read at the start of Nehemiah, we read as he was before the king in, in quite a threatening situation that, uh, that then Nehemiah prayed. Well, he would have got lynched if he did that out loud. And there's that sense of a reminder that he would have done that vertically in just a split second, very quickly to God. We're to do that as well. bit like the old martini advert. You remember that? Any time, anywhere. Wonderful, Richard. Round of applause for Richard Fagents there. The walking martini man has stirred. Any time, any place, anywhere. I've not put him up to that. Fantastic. But isn't that true? Of prayer, I meant, not of martini. I mean, you know, there's a time and a place probably for that. But it is true. So the encouragement. Of one another here is particularly over this next two months. Let's seek that we might grow to become that people that at any time, any place and anywhere, we might turn to God in prayer. Guess what we're going to do? Yeah, we're going to do that. If you'd like to be still. And I'm going to just lace in a variety of means that you may well want to pray before handing over to Martin to lead the next part of our service as we come to a close. Could well be as you're praying now for you, what you want to do is to commit your life to God. These quiet moments, your opportunity to do that. Could well be for you, you want to use these few moments to thank God for all he has done for you. 
Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done there, he says. Maybe for others, quietly, you just want to worship in tongues where you are. That's a form of prayer. Maybe you want to sit in silence. Maybe to pray for a personal need or a friend. Maybe to be still and to ask God to speak to you. Maybe to pray with or for the person sat right next to you right now. God's word says make the most of every opportunity. Here is our opportunity to pray for the next 60 seconds.